Hey everyone, this is Stuart Patrick from Radio Keys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know it's been a while since our last podcast. Um, Emily and Tom are now back from New York, so we're going to try to get into this thing again. Our first guest back is the great Dalton Boswell of the band Tiger Shade. Uh, they're playing all over the Bay Area and releasing music all the time. So without further ado, Dalton Boswell of Tiger Shade. Mr. Dalton Boswell here. Here I am, dude. Yeah. Every time I say Boswell, I feel like it's not your real name for some reason. <laughs> it, it sounds like a character's name like uh, in like a 70s movie. Like they call him by his last name, like Boswell. And Straight out of Roadhouse, dude. Yeah. I mean, everyone's like, oh, Dalton? <laughs> Roadhouse. And dude, it was not until mid-20s that I saw Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze and was like, oh, shit. That's what they're talking about. That's kind of a legendary, like, bad movie, right? I, I, oh, I fully admit it's I like haven't seen Red literally Roadhouse. probably the hardest to get through nowadays. I don't know if this is going to... Me- oh, no. Those are always Hell good yeah. to have on the, <laughs> on the podcast. Okay, good. Yeah. But Roadhouse. Badass because his name was Dalton. Otherwise, probably wouldn't have watched it. But <laughs> you get it. Yeah, you got to. You got to. And then we also have Alante over here. Yeah, baby. I'm here, baby. Yeah. For emotional support. I got I a claw love too. it. Yeah, he uh unfortunately we only have the two inputs. We we're just talking about this little portable studio I have with the Apollo twin. I think the twin is the two microphones, but I don't really know anything about it. Uh, so well, it looks legit. And you got the clean ass MacBook. I don't know how you keep it that clean because my MacBook is all dirty on both sides. How do you do it? Do you wipe it down? I wipe it down occasionally, but really I try not to eat around it. That's but a good look. That's yeah, a, that's, that's the a main good look. thing. Yeah. It's wild though because I take it to this is what I this is like my I told you a little earlier. This is my live setup that I use for every like solo performance because all I need is an acoustic input and a mic input and it's like it, it's just perfect for that. And then it has um it basically has a digital like mixing console. So you can throw in compressors and reverb and and uh preamps and all of that kind of stuff. So that's amazing, actually. I think one time Joe brought when we just met, we went to Tiki Tom's, I was hosting open mic, he brought the interface and like somehow put the sounds that we were using in the actual songs, like somehow made that live. And it sounded so fucking You mean good. like samples and stuff? Or? No, it was like effects on like the guitar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which the, was like rad. Well, the cool thing about Universal Audio, this feels like a Universal Audio commercial. <laughs> right now, but like the cool thing about it is they model all of their plugins after vintage like compressors and preamps and stuff. So if you do like a blind taste test between like a sound that was recorded through a vintage like, you know, actual hardware compressor and then all and then compare it to one of these plugins they're they're virtually identical like i think i think every bit of hardware can have its own little unique bit of character you know like it's like with every guitar like every fender guitar that comes off of the factory line isn't exactly the same you know i think it's kind of the same way with all those old studio things but um these plugins are great like they're basically like vintage having vintage gear that you can just 
use during a live performance or a yeah. recording or whatever. That's so. amazing, dude. Yeah, he always talked about Universal Audio and how he's getting all these sounds and all this crazy stuff. And I would hear him when we were recording. I was like, that sounds really freaking good. That sounds better than my Logic, like... <laughs> presettings you know Good logic no <laughs> i'm like we're talking about guitar sounds so i'm like dude i'm using the blue wave dreamy texture and he's like no like i'm recording it clean and then adding this i was like it blew my mind in half yes but you do a lot of recording right you did a lot of recording or does you and joe or does joe do most of your recording and then the producing or so honestly i was like for years so i i was on garage band until like 2017 and then i got logic and when i got logic that's when i just recorded the whole first album because i just got out of this other band and was like you know what i need to just do a solo project i can't deal with like what happened in that band was like all these opinions and like i was the only one that was really seriously playing like they were all just kind of like yeah band sounds great but like not really serious about it yeah. so i was like that kind of fell through. So I was like, I'm just going to do a solo thing and just record. Like, not even, I don't know what it's going to turn into. And that's when I got logic and started recording and just did a whole album, which was like, you know, none of it was perfect. But to me at yeah. that time, I was like, these sound pretty good. Dude, like, it's I've, a good start. I feel like you're reading my autobiography right now. Like, literally the exact, same, the exact same thing happened to me. A little sooner than that, it was I like went to college and my band broke up my high school band or whatever. And at that point, I had started uh, getting really into like Tom Waits and these like weird sounds. And I'm like, well, if you're in a classic like four piece band, you can't get like this weird musical saw or totally. You know, and no one wants that. And like no one in the band wants you to be like, well, let's have a musical saw in this song. Yeah, like, no, yeah. fuck you, dude. I'm gonna play my <laughs> bass solo in this song. Yeah. So it's like all these opinions, and everyone's like, well, I need to have my time, you know. So yeah. By the time my band broke, I was like over having all those different opinions and just wanted to like like what you were saying just focus on having my own opinions and being able to realize it so i like went to recording class like one time yeah and uh ended up getting to know pro tools okay oh that's amazing yeah. dude i wanted to do like when i went to chico i was like i have to pick a major like i'm transferring there this is like and it was like am i gonna do business or Am I going to do something else? And I was like, I should probably do something that I am interested in. It's the only way I'm going to get yeah. through it because I was never a very good student. So I was like, I'm going to be a music major. And it was like, a, you know, six months in that I realized I'm going to have to be a music industry major because if I do yeah. general music, I'm going to have to do all these ensemble classes and all this shit. Yeah. And I couldn't like read music at the time. I had to figure that out yeah. as I went. And still yeah. to this day, it's like I couldn't like see a piece and play it all box style yeah but like i could probably read like a single note melody across the line mm -hmm. but that's where i was like oh <laughs> the cat's trying to yeah, end this it's a cute cat Gavin's by the way what's the cat's his name his name's gavin hey. he was named <laughs> after gavin degraw i thought you were gonna say gavin <laughs> no yeah i know ashley's a huge fan of gavin degraw so <laughs> seven years ago when she came across this cat it was gavin yeah and Gavin. he's still killing it. We're going to Gavin's. Yeah. <laughs> but the recording arts program there, dude, yeah. I was like, I wanted to do that, but was like, I had no knowledge of recording at that time whatsoever. So yeah. I was like, I want to do it, but I'm going to be here for another like four years if I do based on like what I needed to take. And I'd already been in college for three years. So I was like, I 
just need to do what's going to get me out of here. And yeah. luckily, I still got to take a bunch of music classes. Totally. So that was cool. I still learned a bunch of stuff, piano and you know choir classes and stuff. So that was actually really beneficial for like music after college. But I really wanted to do the recording arts program. And so it's sad because I never got to do that, never learned like how actually, you know, to do it. I just kind of self-taught on logic. And that's that's how I started recording. And then when I eventually met Joe, like two years into me recording with Tiger Shade, then Joe came in and was like, Hey, he came to an open mic and was like, dude. I want to record that. It wasn't like that song with you. And at that time I was like, sure, dude, like he was a cool dude. I was like, why not? Like, I'll take my chances. Like we go to his house and he comes up with like this drum and bass thing and sends it to me after like later that night. And it was like so tight and big sounding. I was like that dude. So I was like, I need to keep recording with this guy. Yeah. And then I was, I would keep recording myself. Cause that's how I write is like when I'm recording, that's how I'll write songs is like, I'll have a progression and like one line and then record that and then sit there with the microphone, just like kind of babbling until I come up with the next line and the next line. <laughs> the ba- dude, you know the babble I mean? writing. It, it, I have so many like voiceover notes where I'm like, just like, yeah, just like a melody nonsense, you know? Yeah. But you have the melody and you have the chord progression and you're trying to figure it out. And I don't know if you write that way, but sometimes like it's more like the sound of the word than the actual word and then you're yeah. like well how can i fit that word into the overall picture exactly. of the song dude and that's the thing like so many times i've been like well like that chord progression is this song that song that song that song and that song but i'm like if i can just come up with my own vocal melody it might still sound exactly like some other song but at least i tried to differentiate at some point you know and that's i have a problem where like all record something and then years later record something else and sing it and then listen back to it later and be like, Oh my God, it's like literally the exact same melody of this song I did two years ago. And I'm like, Oh shit, dude, dude. I think that there is something to be said for like accidentally writing the same song so many times. Like, because I love writing in like major keys and I love writing in four, four, I love writing in a, and then at a certain time, like all these songs start to sound very similar, you know, for sure. And I, I like watched this YouTube video and it, it helped my perspective a little bit on songwriting. It was like talking about just practicing songwriting. Like you practice anything else to get better at it. And it's like, give yourself, you know, a random topic, give yourself a random key or a random, you know, and then just go with it and try to write it. And it might not be your hit song and it might not be your song that's like number two on the record or whatever, but it will be something that'll benefit you in the future, you know? And I've tried to do that, but it's so hard to find time to like write songs that aren't going to be on the record. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was doing like, I would have like keys, like the E major key and write all the notes of the E major scale, you know, and then basically write those down, like whatever it was, those exact notes, and then be like, okay, I'm going to do a song in this key. And like, just the other day, I was like, try, I was like, I need to write another song, like, and was thinking about it. And I had the note card that had the E major scale on it. And I was like, I don't know if I'll actually come up with something right now, but maybe I will. And I think I did and need to like fully go forward with it. But it was nice having like the visual of like, okay, like I already know that like, the C sharp minor is going to be the relative whatever. And like, yeah. I, I can use that, but yeah. like 
seeing all of the other ones visually just made me try them out while writing. Totally. And that was where I could be like, oh shit, like I could just do that little change and it sounds good. And I don't know. It's weird. Well, that's already like kind of where your music training or your music theory comes in because a lot of people kind of just fumble around in the dark for the right chord and they don't understand that like these notes kind of have these like greater note families and that's what a key is. And then each one of those notes in that key has its own chord that's either major or minor. So you can, so they kind of just sound good together. So you can like write a song that way and then you can mix in other chords as you go along. But it's like, I think a lot of songwriters get really discouraged because they're just like, I keep trying to play this G chord and it just doesn't fit here. And I I don't get, it's like you hear the sound in your head that you're trying to achieve. I, I talk about it like, being in a dark room trying to find the light switch like yeah you have no idea where it is but if you know like the basic theory you might be able to like find that light switch a lot easier for sure and dude that's like me trying to record a harmony like i'll have my normal melody line and be like okay i'm gonna do harmony and the first like however many songs what i i was just doing the octave and thought it was the harmony it was like falsettoing the octave it was like damn that sounds good and then like ash comes in and is like that's the octave. I'm like, wait, it's not a harmony? <laughs> it's <kinda. laughs> so it's like way different trying to find the harmony. And sometimes accidentally I'll sing a harmony and be like, whoa, yeah, that was dope. What I've, what I've discovered, I mean, I'm not great at writing harmonies by any means, but what I've kind of discovered is the th- like just starting with the third is like okay, a great yeah. way to go. Like trying to figure out where the melody starts like if it's starting on the third then maybe you start with the root or maybe if yeah they're on the root then you try the third and just see what happens with it um yeah for me it's tough because i'm I not have, great at it i have to legitimately hear it like on a keyboard like hit the root note and then hit the third and be like that okay that note and then try to find that note singing and then it's so tough for me like if we're like if if we pan it out and we're you know we're singing the root note and i'm trying to sing the third and then i'm like okay i can find it cool and then we stop and we're like okay now let's come in at the same time and do it yeah i'm like so off dude i'm like that's back the on the struggle root. Man. or like and i'm like that's oh, the yeah, struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally that's the struggle though it's like trying to remember where your part is without like being true and honest to your harmony without being tempted by the melody like you hear the melody and you just want to gravitate towards it and sing it yeah and it's like i think that's what really i mean again i'm not that great at harmonies i've like kind of gutted out being a singer my whole life and just been like same been like had to take choir classes like i actually the other day i found an old tape machine that i had like not not like not like you know whirling tape yeah. but like a tape deck where you hit the two buttons and you record oh and, my god like one of your first recording tools yeah. or something yeah from yeah. when i was like 15 or 14 and my singing was so bad oh dude like so oh, atrocious dude. on it I, i'm like man i've come a, a little bit of a way <laughs> since this but even then it's like yeah. i'm still gutting it out i'm no like like ashley for example yeah like, is like so effortless like train singer yeah, yeah so effortless and i'm like well that's never gonna be me <laughs> dude same i was the same way dude when i was like first starting to like like could play guitar well enough that i could like look up chords and be like i'm gonna play this song i was doing it with sublime songs and i remember like my dad at that time was like, he tells me now, he didn't tell me then, but he would hear me singing and like playing guitar and he would literally think to himself like, is he tone deaf? 
Like, <laughs> and now he tells me, he's like, it's amazing that like, you know, you can get yourself to a song now. And I'm like, thanks. Dude, you never grow. You never grow in their eyes. Like, it's the same thing yeah. like when you're playing sports or whatever and you like, you're like the vet and the rookie shows up. You like, you just think they're a rookie forever. Exactly. You know, and it's like, I think your parents maybe look at you the same way. Like, they're like, for man, sure. He's just getting through it, huh? Yeah. And it's, I don't know, man. I, I think that it's, it's hard to acknowledge growth when you were there when someone first started. Like, yeah. I know this one guy. Who was in the? Did you ever take the Steve Sage class? No, but I have heard so much about him from like so many people in the community. Yeah, and apparently he was like a huge dude. Yeah, he he's uh, we've talked about him before on this podcast, but he basically like started this class that taught you how to be like a gigging musician. So that's amazing. I wish I would have taken that class. Yeah, when I, I wish a lot of people <laughs> would have yeah. taken it. He. uh he was a great dude, but like you'd see people come in that class for the first day, excuse me, and just be like not good at all. Like really okay. tough, like really yeah. tough, like no timing, like no stage etiquette, whatever, whatever you think is like not appealing as a musician. They were that. Yeah. And this one kid who I'm, I'm thinking of, he was like, he was that, like not, not great at all. And now he's like playing with these big bands and they're like touring and like he's just like wow. a killer guitar player and it's just like it's hard for me to envision him as being that but then you watch videos of him and you're like yeah he's a he's just a he killer figured now. It out yeah he's just yeah. a killer now yeah so i don't know it goes the growth goes a long way but i wanted to ask you about your musical like upbringing your beginning because you're talking about your dad so that must have meant that you were recording when you lived with your parents so yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it must well, have been a while ago that you started playing. it was it was back in the day the, the start of it all was actually i went to i was in a drama class in seventh grade and this guy comes in one day this speaker i have no idea what he's coming for and he's like talks about this summer drama camp and I'm like, and he's like, there's zip lines and freaking <laughs> what? Like, we're going to the river. And I'm like, dude, I want to go to the I'm river. Like, dude, <laughs> this sounds legit. I need to go to summer drama camp. And so I get to summer drama camp, and it was like everyone had to pick their own little thing, like whether you're going to do improv or whatever. And I was like, I wasn't really a drama kid or an acting kid. So when they said improv, I was like, I, 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 I'm definitely not doing that class. Yeah. And but then they're like, we're going to do a music thing. And I was like, that's what I'll do. I've wanted to learn guitar. Like maybe if I joined the music thing, I didn't know what I was doing and no one else did it. So I ended up for like two weeks at this camp getting private lessons from this like legit dude. And he just basically taught me like chords. And at the end there was like this performance and, and like multiple other people who actually played came in and played. But that was like, after that was where I really started playing guitar and was like, okay, this is fucking cool. So you got the bug and then just never quit, basically. Exactly. Exactly. But when did you... So you started playing guitar in seventh grade? Pretty much. I got, pretty early. I got a guitar at like fifth grade in for Christmas, and I got a guitar, and it was... It, it lived in the closet. Didn't know what to do with it. It never came... Yeah. yeah, it never came out to play. And then finally, I think my sister actually, she got a guitar... And she got the electric, the Stratocaster that I play to this day was a hand-me-down from her. Wow. And I started playing that, and it was like, you know, the very beginning was like Smoke on the Water, yeah. Iron Man. And once I figured out a couple of those riffs, I was super diehard, started taking lessons, and then, you know, there was huge spans of time, though, like months, 
where I was just like, oh, I can't do this. There's no way I'm going to figure this out. Just put it down and then come back. And like one little song that I'd be like, oh, I just learned that one little thing. And all of a sudden be super stoked on it again. And then eventually got to a point of like being really stoked on music in general and just never really stopped playing. When did you start writing your own songs? So I didn't sing and play in front of people until I was 24. I was terrified, oh, wow. dude. I was like literally like So that that's like a 12 year gap. Yeah. If all those years I was like wow. I would play like in front of friends like or at a party like yeah. sure I'll sing and play, but like actual show, I'd never sang in front of people until I was 24 and then when that happened I was like I got to do this more, but I was still like not there as far as confidence-wise playing in front of people. I was still like this is like oh man, like just thinking about it, overthinking it. And whereas today... Just worrying that people would think that you weren't good or like yeah. what were what were the fears? Oh, it was like my voice for was the main thing. I wasn't that worried about guitar. I was like, I know for a fact there's going to be 20 billion guitar players better than me no matter what happens. So, And there's going to be 20 billion guitar players worse than me. So I'm like, screw it. I'm going to play guitar. But singing was a whole nother thing because I was like, this is like so nervous in the beginning. Like I got to... I got to sing this right now. And like, but once you sort of gain confidence and it was crazy because those first performances were like, if there was a good reaction, the confidence level went from like zero to infinity in a second. And I was like, oh, I can do it. But if there was a bad reaction, it was like, I got to sell my gear. I'm done. (laughs) I suck. You know, it's also kind of like the fear of your worst fear is actually being true. Like it's the fear of the fear. Like exactly. What if I am just like completely horrible and then all the critics are right and yeah. I need to quit forever. Exactly. And, Cause I don't want to quit forever. I want to yeah. keep doing it. So, it, and all the doubters in the beginning, you know, which like immediately right out, out the get, it was like, everyone was doubting it. They're like, that's awesome. You're doing it. But they're like doubting that it's going to be a continuous thing that I'll stick with it or whatever. So I was like, oh my God. And it takes years. Like I think about people that are like, I want to learn guitar or like, I want to start this. I'm like, man, you better get going because I'm like, dude, I've been at it for forever and I'm still like just scraping the surface of being able to do it. You know what I mean? Like, Like I found a place where I feel like I fit and like it's super fun, but like as far as like a beast like i couldn't sit in on like a funk jam you know what i mean i mean that's tough to do uh, anyway yeah like like, you know people who have been playing music forever music majors or whatever like it's not the easiest to do and it is intimidating to to sit with players that are like especially when that's their backyard like when they play funk and that's what they do all the time and then you're just kind of like a rock and roller guy and yeah like one night i went to the starry plow funk night because a buddy from high school uh, plays sax and he ran that funk night and and he's like come down and jam dude because he saw I was doing Tiger Shade in the very beginning of T Shade so this is like 2017 and he's like come down yeah. dude so I go down there and he's like we'll get you up we'll get you up and they are like I don't know if all these guys practice this shit beforehand or if they've done it like 30 weeks in a row but they are so in the pocket like Wolfpack style like yeah. out like how, where is how is this communication happening. And I jammed with him for a second, and it was great. But that was like a like a moment of like, oh shit, like may, maybe I still got work to do. You know, these guys are killing it, dude. And yeah. so I ended up going back to that years later and doing the same thing. And still, I was like, man, <laughs> these guys are really fucking in the pocket. 
But yeah. dude, there was a moment there where like I was playing, I was soloing for a little while. It was like cool. What key is this in? And then this other guitar player that's like, you know, someone who goes all the time comes up and is like, you know, hey, you know, give me that thing back. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh no. shit. Like oh, it was no. a it was a sad moment, but at the same time, yeah. I like at that point I was like already doing a bunch of Tiger Shade stuff, so I was like confident in what I was doing. But yeah, some of those jams, it made me realize like, damn, there are players out there that kill. I was like, maybe playing per se is not going to be my strong suit, but songwriting maybe will be. Yeah, and just kind of ram with that. But when did you when did you write your very first song? Oh man, first song had to have been. 2014 i was playing in a band called the one arm shades and so we were like you break an arm off was that your first was that your first band that was the first real band that we actually did shows that was the first time i sang in front of people and it was like buddies from high school and you know everyone was into like the reggae rock and we're like let's do it dude and so we did and yeah and it was interesting like that was the first time i went to an actual studio and recording where were you during this so at that time i went to chico and two of my buddies were living back in the bay area like they they were home from school i was on my last year of school and so i was coming home and we were like doing a show like i mean we maybe did like eight shows all together, but we were playing a lot and managed to record. And those first songs I ever recorded, it was the first one was called another four years. And it was just basically talking about like how uh 30 pack of beers and another four years for me. And it was just like, tw- yeah, like and an then, I love college. Yeah. Song. The yeah. next one was 12 semesters. Cause it took me 12 <laughs> semesters to get through. Um, but yeah, dude. And so, that was the beginning of it, but it was, I didn't actually record that. I did on Logic when I, or on GarageBand at the time when I had it, but man, my recording at that time sounded so trash, dude. It was like throwaway. It's so tough to look back on your old, on your old recordings or your old performances yeah. or your old songs or whatever it is and like feel good about them. You know, it's For so sure. hard. Like we literally like wiped an album off of our Spotify because it was so bad. Oh, no way. It was um, Radio Keys Live at Mountain Vibe. And like, it was so bad. I was like, why do we have this on here? Was it bad because of like sound quality or just like you guys didn't hit it? I think we just weren't, weren't very good. I think that was was before I had moved back. And uh, we'd play sporadically like once every three, four months. And like, it just was bad. You know, it wasn't tight. It wasn't together. That's amazing. We you guys <laughs> did mountain vibe though during that period of time. Yeah, it was a uh, Tom's Tom's influence because okay. like we had been somewhat known as like the openers in the area because it was just Emily and I, you know, yeah. for so long. And then when I came back the first time, we really started going, you know, going for it with Alante and Nick Montez and Nick Davila and Joe Buzzard. There we go. Alante. Yeah. There we go. Madela vibes. Um, and so we had like this full band and then they all quit at the same time. And then we like, we went to Alante like hat in hand and we're like, please, we really want you to stay. And he was uh, like, dude, I'm not going anywhere. Wait, was he about to leave? Yeah, here, I'll let him talk about it first. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait. So yeah, when all that went down, I was, I was never going to leave, you know? Yeah. I just didn't know what was, what was happening. Yeah, like no way. Fifty like percent of the band <laughs> rebel. You know, <laughs> they were just like, "We're out." <laughs> oh my god! And, and so I had already like, I already loved these cats. You know what I mean? 
And uh, I don't know if this was in between time number one or four that Tom left. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I was like, got that phone call from Stuart. And it's just, it was adorable, dude. Seriously. So he, he goes, hey, Lante. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's up, brother? You know, well, I know the Knicks left and, you know, and I knew where it was going. So I just kind of, I left him out on the island for a while, you know? Oh my God. I could have just been like, nah, dude, I'm good. But you know, I just, you got yeah. to rib yeah. him a couple of times, you know? You built the anticipation for sure. Right. But no, he was like, yeah, man, we want to keep doing it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, at this point, 2015, maybe, whatever it was. Wow, you guys were crushing it back then? Holy shit. I mean, but before I went to Radio Keys, I was playing in, like, punk bands and playing shows at, like, Gilman and stuff. So, you know, I had I had kind of wrapped up that part of my playing. I wasn't doing that stuff anymore, and I was like, no, nah, this is good music. I want to be a part of, like, sort of ground level, kind of like T-Shade, right? Totally, yeah. Where it's just like, no, nah, I think this is really good. I want to get on the ground level and sort of bring my influence, but... That was a that was a great phone call. I don't think I don't think I'll ever wow, that's not amazing, tell that story, dude. dude. If I ever get married, for I'm gonna shoehorn that story into my wedding, yeah. dude. <laughs> dude, that was, reminds me of when I asked you to play with T Shade. I was like, I don't know Alante, but I need to like. Nancy suggested that I hit up Alante, and I'm like, I mean, he looks fucking cool. I don't know him though, <laughs> but he looks cool. Maybe he'd be down. And I remember sending that text. Like I wrote out like. Oh, dude, that was hey, a man. novel. Yeah, it was a novel. You sent me a and, novel, and dude, dude. I erased that novel nine <laughs> times and rewrote it. Like, <laughs> that's like when you were like, "Yeah, I'd be into that." I was literally doing backflips at my house, dude. I was like, "We're, we're good. We, we, he's in. He's fucking in, dude. It's unreal. What a moment." Now it's funny because maybe two years ago we did this podcast, like two years ago, and we were talking about it. Might have been last year. We were talking about like the things that happened in the scene that we were excited about that we were excited about that year. Yeah. And you know, and I think Stuart might have even said Little Buffalo or someone said Little Buffalo was cool because this was right around co uh, couch oh, no concerts. Way. That's incredible. And my answer was, I was like, dude, I think Tiger Shade's pretty funny. You know? Oh my this god! This is before I ever like uh, met. We, I mean, I met you at radio key shows when you were playing with yeah Ross just Moore. like in passing kind of in thing. passing you know sound check hey what's going on brother you know the yeah the musician courtesy thing totally but i didn't know you yeah and then so it's funny that i uh started playing with you and then i mean we've been like uh like uh lamb and tuna fish since then you know oh dude we have been caesar or and spaghetti salad. meatballs yeah. whatever you know it's like <laughs> if you need a little more liver you move to liver more Oh no! It's that kind of thing. Oh no! It's good, dude. <laughs> and so, seriously, terrible joke. I, I will not do another dad joke. I swear to God. No, you can't keep them rolling, dude. Oh god, I had a point to that, but dude, it's so crazy how that all panned out. Like because in Conquer Couch concert, you guys had a couple of intros where you were involved in them, and so were you, yeah. announcing Tiger Shade. And then before we even knew each other. When Joe and I did that 7-Eleven guy, Tiger Shade thing, you guys posted a story of you guys rocking out to T-Shade. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I already loved you guys. I was like, Radio Keys is killing it. And then I saw that. I was like, Ash and I kept saying forever. We're like, when are we going to become friends with them? When are we going to hang out with them? Yeah, like, yeah. This, this is just a thing that needs to happen. Like, But obviously, COVID was like a huge you know, hitch in that giddy up. But yeah, I think with uh, with... Tiger, I think Tiger Shade slash I, 
Little Buffalo, the Dalton, the Dalton stock went up quite a bit in COVID because you got Thank to marry you, your like videography skills with totally. your music. And then everyone got to see you because before that, I think, I mean, I think it helped radio kids a lot too, but like with before COVID, it was like the either people either saw you on a gig or they saw you open for a band or they found your music randomly through like some random link on Facebook or something. But like people weren't actively tuning into digital, totally like digital media and digital know you know what i'm saying yeah exactly dude it was kind of weird because i never in a million years would have thought that conquer couch concert or like doing a live video like that was going to be as cool as it was and then once i was working on it and doing it i was so excited because i was learning how to do it as recording that specifically that mountain vibe episode i was like this i i was mind blown like sat there for so long recording it and i thought about it forever because I don't know who it was hitting me up saying you got to do a submission for Conquer Couch concert. And I was like, dude, I really need to do that. But like, how do I do that? And I remember Joe and I first did like a video together where we were like, we tried it at Ashley's mom's house first, just with a phone camera. And then we're like, no, like that's not going to work. Then we did it at our other house with the same sort of scenario, but he was like live recording it. And I don't know what happened that day, but we we're we didn't get enough done. We we're just kind of like, ah, oh, like maybe we'll use that. And then I sat down and was like, did a different video at that same time and like videoed it and recorded it and was like, maybe I could just do that. And like for every specific part, just do it and do all that editing and make it work. And it was amazing because it was so cool. That's where I felt like I actually connected with all the other bands in the community because Definitely. everyone else was on it. And you guys were doing the introductions. I remember when you guys did the introduction, I was like, how the hell do I get on one of these things? How do I get to do an introduction? And then it ended, and I was like, I'm never going to get to do a fucking introduction. Dude. <laughs> dude, we used to look forward to the Concrete Couch concerts like all week, and then we'd just go super hard for them when they, when oh, they came on. dude, yeah. I would be like... The whole week revolved around watching Conquer Couch concert at our house. I was like, we got to put this shit on and fucking get a 12-pack of claws and yeah. say, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gavin's going ape shit over here. This cat is absurd. Gavin. Gavin. He's no, just... I, I really think that your stock like rose quite a bit because now Tiger Shade's playing like all the time. You guys are playing a lot now that COVID restrictions are down and... I think totally. it's been like a huge thing because I didn't really know. I don't think I knew. I knew you before COVID from Rossmore because yeah. I met you at the studio playing bass. And I was like, oh, that guy's the nicest guy. No, <laughs> I was just like, dude, oh, that guy's so I nice, felt, dude. I was like, yeah, that was the beginning, dude. So Patrick used to run the open mic night at Tiki Tom's. And then for whatever reason, he was like, had done it for years and was like, dude, you want to fill in some nights? So I started doing it. And then you know, a year into it, he was having issues with a member and was like, dude, do you want to come in and play bass? So I was like, sure. Yeah. And that was how I got brought to Mountain Vibe. And then when I, and I literally, the only people I knew at Mountain Vibe was Patrick, Bobby, and Ian. 
and I show up there and my phone has no reception. They're already there. And I'm just wandering around Mountain Vibe. Not, And I'm like, I, well, I hope I find them. Like, <laughs> dude, I, I drove in and they're like, just drive this way and you'll be good. You'll find all the camping spots. Next thing I know, I'm driving in and all of a sudden my car is like right next to the stage and Swoon is playing. And I'm like, this is not right. Like, I need to go back. <laughs> so I, I back up, drive all the way back around, like through all these people. I'm like, what is going on? You must have gotten late then. Oh, dude, I was <laughs> there. I in rolled late. in at like 1130. Yeah. Like, because I had no idea when I was going there. I thought like, oh, yeah, camping and like we play music. Cool. I didn't know it was such a thing. And then eventually I ran into them. But that weekend I met Ash and that that's where just like the wheels fell off. Like she moved in with me like a week later and we're like, we're doing this. And then I met everybody through her kind of. Yeah. And it was a. Uh, kind of a magical thing because of Rossmore. It was yeah, crazy. It was wild. I felt bad that Rossmore is just not a thing anymore. They were so they were so good. It's really sad to me yeah. actually because it was like I love playing in like a rock band like that. You know, like I love what yeah. T Shade does, but that was like the like I can just play bass. I'm not singing. I can just go boom, baby. Such a like I love that shit. Such like uh that kind of like Foo Fighters vibe or like Yeah. And it, it was just such good songwriting and, and then having like Bobby on guitar, who's yeah. such a he's such a good lead guitar player. And then having you, you know, on bass and then and then uh yeah, Patrick's such a good singer too. And a good songwriter. Good, yeah. Good good singer, good songwriter, good uh good enough guitar player. Like Exactly. That's what was so sad to me. I was like, it was a bummer that Rossmore went down. Um, and you know, there was its reasons and everyone's just, you know, everyone has their own life. So it's like, things are going to happen. But, and luckily at that same time, you know, Tiger Shade was about to play Mountain Vibe because the ultimate goal for me was like, Tiger Shade was my project. I was like, that's what I want to eventually happen. I still want to do these things, but that's my main thing. So I wasn't that concerned about it, but it was sad because Rossmore had played three Mountain Vibes leading up to this Mountain Vibe. And then they we had the second to last spot before burnt on Friday night, and it got blown because you know shit with the band and the band just fell apart. And it was like, oh, we finally have that like second to last spot at night on the first night, pretty much the best slot, and we're not gonna do it. And it was like whatever, but it ended up being it's crazy. It ended up being the better thing because that night the generators died. And the per, the band that ended up playing second to last played at like three in the morning That's because brutal. the generators died. And if we would have done that, everyone probably would have been asleep already. So it was like, it actually wasn't that big of a deal, but it was uh, a bummer because that was really fun playing with Patrick, Bob and Ian because they were all, Patrick was an incredible songwriter and singer. Yeah. Ian was like a absolute prodigy on the drums. And Bob was like, Bob, yeah, he just absolutely shreds. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great band. I think that that one video you, they did of that one uh, girl walking around Crockett or whatever was it? Crockett? Oh yeah, 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 not Crockett. That, yeah, um, it was. It was, was it Crockett? Crockett. That was the very end when we yeah, did yeah. burn the neighborhood. And uh, I think that video is still like recommended to me, and it has like tons of views. Like, yeah, it's a great song, a great video too. But it's just like, it really is such a good song, dude. That was the thing. That was like one of the songs i think we did that at the 2019 mountain vibe and that was like a mellow rossmore song but super tight playing it it was super fun and it was such a bummer because it was like 
Pat did that video and was getting into video editing. And he did that video and it was super badass. It was really good. And then he was like so good at like doing video stuff. That's what he ended up doing. And then he started partial media and now, and then moved to LA with Christina and now they're doing like badass video shit. So I'm like, if I was in that same position, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's working, it's lucrative. It's like, yeah. And it's something to be, it's still an artistic release. You know, so. yeah. So with with Tiger Shade, like you like to, you prefer to write like more like comedic style songs. Like, is yes. that is that something that you feel is like unfair of people to say that they're more comedic style, or how do you feel about that kind of? It is. Tough. I don't want to be a dick and be like yeah. characterizing you or like pigeonholing you, but how how do you view? Your- for sure. I mean, for me, I was like, you know, when I thought about it, I was like, I'm not gonna be the most talented. Like, I've tried to write, you know love songs and like all these like serious songs and a lot of my recordings uh tiger shape recordings before we were a full band before i ever recorded with joe are like serious songs like the saddle of love album that was the second one i did that was like all about a breakup of like a five-year relationship like this huge like like the beginning of it was right when the breakup happened and i was sad about it and the second half of it was like when i was like you know what fuck this like this is better like this is yeah. what was meant to happen and i was like finally recording music for like how i was feeling at the time and not giving a shit about what people were thinking of it so to me it yeah. was like amazing but the the first song that was like the song off that album was 711 guy and that was my first like funny song i was okay. like this is like you know, we got a good reaction from it, like on social media. And this is before I was even playing live. I mean, I was playing at open mics, but it wasn't like a thing. And I remember I was uh, doing promotions on Instagram back when they used to like actually do something and show it to real people. Maybe they do now, but the ones I've tried it recently haven't worked. It yeah. seems like a lot of bots and like yeah, and back a lot then, of people that are already following you. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. And back then it was like actually showing it to random people. And dude, it was, that was still when I was kind of like not sure yet. So when I, when we released that, I started promoting it because we were getting like an, a, the initial reaction was good. They're like, this is the most ridiculous shit I've seen. And so I promote it and we would get like comments like literally this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then I'd get another comment right underneath it with a bunch of trash can emojis. Like <laughs> and it was literally like or like someone was it else the guy throwing it in the trash can. You no, know, it, it was just literally the just the trash oh, kid. And then someone else would be like pure garbage. And it was so funny cuz that was when I realized like you know what I don't even really care. Like this is this is I'm having fun doing this. I'm going to do it. And so I started realizing that like the fun songs and like funny songs were like, that's what I enjoy recording and writing. Yeah. And so there's been a number of them since then, but something about, you know, like Colonel Sandals is like the newer one of 7-Eleven guy. Yeah. And that song, like when I recorded it, it was like just one line after the next. Cause that started with me outside on a ukulele, just hitting the E chord and going 10 piece chicken is guy. I mean, thinking, and I was like, this is fucking hilarious. It's high as shit. Like, let's fucking do it. Went inside and started recording. The, and then I just looked up the KFC menu and saw like butter spread. 
and uh, you know, famous bowl, and was like, I gotta just do this. I used to crush a famous bowl yeah. back in the oh, day. Oh, dude, I crushed oh, a famous bowl the other day, and it was not as good as I remember. No, it never is. It was, a, it was like Subway. Yeah, 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 it was, dude. Yeah. I was like, I yeah, I don't even want to talk about that day after I ate KFC recently. It was not good, no. but. Colonel Sandals. It was like that funny stuff. I just started having fun, and I was doing playing at this place called Coffee Shop in Walnut Creek that now is rooted. And there were these two people I met. They were Jenny and Rob, and they ran the Coffee Shop Open Mic. So when I barely played, they hosted Coffee Shop Open Mic, and they were super welcoming. Moved here from New York. Rob was a badass drummer and would always want to play. And they were super supportive. And so one night... I came in doing shower up and it was like one of the first times ever playing shower up and it went like, we got a reaction that was like, I, I never had a reaction like that where the whole fucking place is like, yeah. And we did that and it wasn't like that. And I was like, I had a moment there that I was like, this actually could be a thing. Like regardless of what's going on, like these are songs that I wrote. This was pre COVID. Getting a good reaction. Pre, very pre COVID. Yeah. yeah. It was like 20, the very end of 2018 through like 2019. Right. And that was like my outlet was like, I didn't have a full band, but I played at coffee shop and in that little scene that was happening there, it was a thing. And so it was like, I was super stoked on it. So that's when I got like, I really into like writing funny songs. I was like, I love writing stuff that's fun to play and it's going to be funny. You know, of course, the 7,000th time you've heard Shower Up, you're probably like, okay. <laughs> but but still, <laughs> I'm like, we still like, somehow find a way to have fun doing it. And for like the new listener, the better it's getting now playing it live, like with a full band. I'm like, this is now it sounds like legit. This is what I've always wanted it to yeah. sound like. And it's sounding like this. And so for the new listener, I feel like it's super badass, but it's kind of funny because people who have heard it a million times are like, okay, shower up. Like, yeah, don't go chasing. Well, with uh, the like the Tenacious D record, that's like the the penultimate like like funny fun record, right? It's like that first Tenacious D record. Yeah, and it's like it, one of the best records ever. Oh, and like people hands down still sing every one of those songs and love every one of those songs. So just because it's a funny song doesn't mean it's like not a good song. Totally. You know, people love that yeah. kind of stuff. Like fuck her hard, like that kind of stuff. Oh, or God, like, dude. Like how many times have you like been in a bar or something and yeah. you play it on the karaoke machine and then the whole bar starts The whole singing. bar is yeah. like, what is the last line of fuck her gently? It's fuck it's like, you. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and all the skits on it and everything. It yeah. was just like a perfect record. and It was. Yeah, I don't think that there's like, you know, any shame in, in having songs that are fun like that. Yeah. Not at all. And I just always, that was the thing I was trying to say earlier was like, I'm not, I always thought, you know, I'm not going to be the best. Like, I'm like, talent wise, I'll never be the best. There's always going to be somebody better. But I will try to be the most ridiculous. And that's where I was like, and I enjoy playing songs with humor. Like not everyone gets it or like not every time it hits, but something about coming in with like these funny songs are like, it's fun to play with a group of guys, especially once it gets tight, you know, cause I was singing these songs before playing with a band and was like, are these cool? You know, like, is this actually a thing? 
And now I'm like, I, I think we actually kind of have made it a thing. I'm like, this is cool. Dude, I remember like back in the day too, watching your feed and um, seeing you would do like a bunch of random skits. Like you'd be like camping or some shit, like walking around with a big stick and like doing like, a character. random shit. Yeah. yeah, like that. I felt like that was like such a fun part of your your brand or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Totally, dude. That, do you still do those kinds of things or? Dude, it's so funny because in the beginning... It actually all started, so my buddy and I that I went to high school with, his name was Braden. We were in a, we started the one arm Shades, so we went to Vegas for his 21st birthday, and I'd already been playing guitar, and I had like jammed with these other guys from high school, and we partied so hard that weekend, we both broke an arm off our Shades, and so we're like, we got to start a band called the one arm Shades, so fast forward like three years, we're hitting each other up again, like, dude, we should start that, and we got these other members to start it. And we did. And it was like, this is great. Like, we actually finally started a band. And this is that classic example of when I, like, had this incredible thing going on to say. And I completely forgot what it was. <laughs> what <laughs> happens, was it? That happens to me all the well, time. What was the original question? Um, the original question was totally about the sidetracked. skits. About the, the, the skits. skits, yeah. Yes. Okay, God, I was like, so, now you put me on the hey, spot. Man, and you, like, so passed it back this It's the way. guns. It's my bad. So him and I... <laughs> We came together and started like videoing stuff. Like when I started Tiger Shade after the One Arm Shades, I was like, dude, let's just, I'll record music and let's just come together and like get videos. And so he would video, he'd be in the videos and we would do this whole like, you know, just screw it. Like we're going to go out with a camera, play the song and whatever we film, I'm going to edit a video too. And that was the beginning of T-Shade. And that's where like a lot of those ridiculous like me javelining the stick or whatever it was. Dude, they're so good. They're, they're like ridiculous. It's <laughs> hard, the it's like hard to recreate the Tiger Shade documentary, dude. Oh, dude. <laughs> like for real, the Tiger Shade documentary is like basically a compilation of all of my favorite clips that I ever did because I was like, I have all these videos and if I don't like put them all together in one video, they're all going to kind of just disappear into the distance. Like maybe be on a social media post way back when so i did this whole thing and did the tiger shade documentary which was four hours and now the t-shade documentary part five with like the actual band like part one two three and four there was no band five is gonna be insane dude that's like alante is gonna be i had no idea there were five all over that (laughs) there must be five parts oh dude and i i gotta start editing those i have like I'm pulling stuff off my phone, dropping it onto a hard drive, getting ready to do that. But it's going to be all the shows that we've done, like little clips and like, and then we were about to play Toots and then like all of a sudden clip of Toots and like, yeah, just to have like a compilation of all those videos. Cause I know one day I'm going to be like, whatever happened to all those videos? And I can at least refer to that and be like, oh shit, we got all of them somewhat consolidated, you know, yeah. cause you can't get all of them in there. It's like a, it's like an album for clips. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Just a video montage of like, that's why it's funny. It's called the documentary. Cause I was like, yeah, it's the documentary, but it's really just a montage of like everything that's happened from a point in time. So like each music video there'll be, and then we did gold dusters and then a clip of gold dusters and then whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, uh, we were probably supposed to play a song a long time ago, but why don't you let us know which song we should play on here? Oh, we'll, shit. What are my options? You can introduce any song you want of yours. Oh, my God. Right? Of well, yours, of course. If I get to pick one, I would I would probably pick just the guy. It's a 7-Eleven guy. It's, it's just the one, dude. All right. Well, this one is 7-Eleven guy 
by Tiger Shade. That was 7-Eleven Guy by the great Tiger Shade. This is Dalton Boswell, the architect of Tiger Shade. Oh, thank you, dude. So we uh, we were just talking, and then we had a false start. So we're going to pretend yeah. like this is super organic. It's, just some, <laughs> it's literally unsweetened organic, dude. Yeah, we. Uh, I was talking about your song Red, White, and Blue, and you were saying... I thought it was funny you were saying whenever people hear that, they think it's conservative, which is kind of like a microcosm of the rest of the country because it's like now the American flag kind of has like that asterisk next to it where it's like if you yeah, it's support like, the flag, it's almost it's like, like you're, you're, you're like a racist person or totally. whatever. So having a song called Red, White, and Blue, explain. You must explain yourself. Yeah, now. so literally, <laughs> I'll tell you. in the So this was like, let's go back to like 2019 and we're like, I don't know what it was, but I was in the middle of recording the third album for Tiger Shade. And this was pre-band, pre-everything. And so one night, and this was, 
I was living at my grandma's house for four years. So basically, she was like so old that she needed help with everything. So I lived there when I came back from college for four years. And it was actually like a really good thing. Like I was living rent free and she was had help and all this. It was perfect. So like I had my recording studio downstairs. I basically had the whole downstairs and that's where I recorded everything. And so one night my buddy and I went downtown and we went to mean ours. The, our we, home dude, we, town bar, which you just guys just Minar. lit on yeah. fire, apparently. Well, we, we lit something because everyone was completely fucked up. Oh, dude, like, I mean, that's me and ours. Completely fucked up. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Like, the amount of... And I'm not saying, like, we're people were really tipping us because we were super cool. No, people were tipping us because they were super drunk and rich. I mean, and, can you ask for anything better? <laughs> like, that's I mean, the dream, there's dude. There's a few things, maybe. <laughs> like, maybe an audience <laughs> that cares or, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was fun. Like, we had a good time. But, yeah, people were fucking destroyed at that, that show. Yeah, so it's crazy, dude. So we went to Minars that night. This is, like, you know, 2019, whenever it was. And I'm with one my buddy that I, like, kind of... I don't want to say I started Tiger Shade with him, but he was the only person that supported what I was doing at the time. He was the dude with the skits, with, with, the, ca- with the camera, with the yeah. yeah. Like in and, and all the skits were like me, just like fucking. He had the camera going. I was just like, oh fuck, let's do some ridiculous shit, you know. But he was down for the cause, and so him and I were out one night, and we run into our other buddy from high school. His name was Chalmers. And so, well, his last name's Chalmers. He's like this seven foot tall gigantor that I used to be play high school football with. And so, wait, what position did he play in high school? He played receiver. I played How, oh, I guess outside he, linebacker. Why didn't he play tight end? Oh, well, I mean, we were both I mean, four like strings. So it didn't matter. He's like eight feet tall. Like, I feel like <laughs> we he should like, just hit we the like, block and then dude, we'd be standing there the whole game and suddenly our team would be up 60 to nothing. And we'd be like, oh, fuck, dude, we're going in. Chalmers like, has nine like, we're touchdowns. We're going in. Like, <laughs> Literally, dude, it was bad. But Chalmers, so I run into him. Oh, so Chalmers wasn't a star player. On oh no, no, no. But he's seven feet Neither tall. Neither of us. Talk? I know, I know. We were both like, we were both garbage on the football team, dude. I was always a hockey player, but I wanted to play football because that was like the thing to do. He just wanted all the head trauma. Exactly. <laughs> and I had like the shitty helmet, so I just like I was like the tackling dummy of the team. I oh, didn't see God. that when I signed up, but that's what ended up happening. Anyway, so I run into Chalmers. <laughs> and so him and I were like, dude, this is great. And so at the end of the night, we're all hanging out. And, and I'm like, dude, you should come back to Oma's because my grandma's was Oma because she's Dutch. So I called her Oma. Come back to Oma's. And we all just hang out there. And he was with our other buddy from high school, Reed, who also was third string linebacker with me. So we were like, we spent the whole, we lived on the sidelines. Like that was our home. I had a studio apartment on that sidelines for (laughs) 700 bucks a month with Reed. So anyways, (laughs) they decide they're going to come back. And I'm like, yes, dude, let's go back. And so Braden and I go back and we're there and I'm like, I don't know if they're going to show up. Maybe they show up. So they show up and I'm like, you know, I have all my recording shit set up. I'm like, I should just open up some random track and have Chalmers Go up to the microphone and just say some random shit. Like, who knows? Maybe, like, maybe I'll think it's good. Maybe it'll be garbage. I won't do anything with it. And I had recorded this, like, instrumental track to a song that I had no vocals to yet. And Chalmers goes up to the mic and he's like, What do I do? Like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, Dude, just 
sing about anything. There was a Modelo sitting there because I was drinking so many Modellos at the time. I was like, dude, sing about Modelo. Sing about whatever you want. And the first thing he says right when he goes up to that microphone is Modelo vibes. And and I literally go back the next day because we were hammered, just having a good time. I go back and listen to it. And it's he he had like this magical Modelo vibes. And I'm like, I need to turn this whole thing into a Modelo song. And so it turns into this whole Modelo song. And I record the whole thing and sent and just like copy and paste his Modelo vibes throughout the whole thing. And was like, this is it. It's <laughs> Modelo vibes. And that's how Modelo vibes started. And like two weeks later, he sent me a text saying, dude, you need to do a song called red, white, and blue. So I was sitting there with a guitar and was like, just jamming on something and then started going feeling red, white, and blue. And was like, Braden was with me at the time. I was like, dude, you got to get a video of this, send it back to Chalmers of me doing like a shitty version of red, white, and blue. So I started that and sent it to him. And that was the first song. And if you refer to Tiger Shade documentary part four, it's in there. (laughs) (laughs) I should have done my homework. I feel like, damn. So anyways, he, it was so funny because so we start that and right at that time, Joe moved to Australia. So Joe, we had been working together for a couple months and then Joe was planning to move to Australia before we even met. So when the time came, he moved to Australia and he, I sent him red, white, and blue, my recording of it through logic. And he was like, dude, I got ideas for this. I got ideas for this. And so then he eventually came home and we started recording Red, White, and Blue in person, me and Joe. And he started, and that was the version that ended up being on the Mountain Vibe promo video for Mountain Vibe 2019, which was like all of us at South Fork with Al. Yeah. And it was like the legit Red, White, and Blue. And um, and that's the version that still hasn't been released that we want to put on Tiger Shade Volume 2. And it's going to be amazing. And I love that song, but... It's like a weird thing where like, you know, I think Joe thinks that it's going to be make us seem as if we're conservative. Whereas for me, I'm like, no, I did this for Chalmers. And also like, I'm not like, you know, so pro America. I'm like, I I'm love where I live. And my grandfather was like, a, you know, oh, practically died for the country. So like, I still need to support his name. So for me, I'm like, I'm feeling red, white, and blue for him because he, I literally wouldn't be here if he didn't hang on for dear life to survive World War II. And that is like, that's where I feel red, white, and blue. You know? I think it's also like, it's very complex, obviously, our history. And there's so many negative things about our history in this country. But I think it's hard for people to also understand how amazing the country is too in a lot of ways because yes there obviously there's been so much shit that's happened and so much horrible oppression that's happened but it's like i think oppression lives in every corner of the world and it's different forms of oppression but with with Americas, there's also so many forms of freedom that aren't obviously just like freedom from getting the vaccine or whatever. Yeah. Like there's like the reason why we're able to sit here and drink white claws and have whiskey shots and do a podcast on a Tuesday evening 
hey, is man, because we back. live in America, and that's something to yeah, celebrate, and that's exactly. a beautiful thing about the flag and about the country. But there's a lot of ugliness that goes on too, and yeah. it's really hard for people to separate the ugliness from the beauty. Totally. And so they only associate the ugliness with the flag. And for me, it's like I'm a I'm a patriot too. Like I love our country. Like I, I really do believe in our country and I love our country, but I think that it can do a lot better in a lot of things. And I think for a lot of people it's hard to either be moderate about that or to disassociate the ugliness from the beauty. But like it is sad that the uh, American flag has kind of been taken over by people who yeah. are like kind of douchebags. And yeah, stuff. and totally. And I get it. Like when you think about some of the shit going on nowadays, it's like, you know, I see how it could be put in that realm of like, no, now it's like you're classified with these people because they're the ones waving it and you're like singing about it. And it's like, for me, I'm like, no, like you can't wrap, roll me up in that doobie. You roll yeah. me up in a doobie of top shelf, <laughs> not in a doobie of bottom shelf, you know? So that being said, it's like, it's so funny because when I did that red, white, and blue song for Chalmers, I was like, didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh yeah, cool. We're feeling red, white, and blue. But at the same time, I was like, this could be a cool song. And I have my, like everyone's perception of things is different. So it's like, you know, everyone's perception of like, the you know political views and what America is and this and that is different and mine is I have my own reasons for being patriotic and I don't even want to say patriotic but I do and it's pretty much because of my grandfather so yeah. it's like that's why I was like I could actually I could you can rule me up in that doobie yeah and yeah you know and so it's like others I, I just don't know like there's I still feel like we will release that song and there will be a stigma towards it. But I'm like, it's not that way. And if you know yeah. me personally, you would know well, that the, I'm the not that way. The lyrics aren't super like that. I mean, like the chorus is, but it, to me, it was almost like a play on words. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is a play on words. It's, a, it's, an, Absolutely. it's an awesome play on words because, of course, every song in the history of the world before 1940 was like, I'm feeling blue. Yeah, about yeah. Whatever. Yeah, and then, I'm blue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is like a great way to tie in the whole, you know, the flag with everything else. And I, I admit that I don't know the lyrics fully, but yeah. like, what are the, like, you can take it probably as like, you know what's the word like with a grain of salt so it's yeah. not like serious right totally so, like, what are the lyrics for so that was the thing i was the like, audience decide i right wasn't now. thinking that seriously about making the lyrics serious i was like so in my realm of like i want to make like a party song and have a good time and like i don't know how people are going to receive it like if they think it's going to be good or bad or like that's insulting or whatever it is but the whole song was like, I'm feeling red, white, and blue. Nothing that I wouldn't do for the USA. That was the whole song. And then it goes into the, throw me a Bud Light. We're going to have a good night. And that was like the, the hook of the song. And then can I get my steel reserve? It's America. Can I take the last hit? Because back in college, when the bowl was cashed, and there was nothing left to hit in the weed bowl. It was just literally ash. That was the America hit. Can I take the last hit? You know, it's America. 
Dude, it sounds to me like anyone who would take the song as like some kind of conservative anthem is a, a fucking idiot, and that's just totally. And that's it's like just my it's not yeah. On like it. if they if they see us as like oh they are just like waving the flag, proud boys type shit. It's like that's not <laughs> what we are, dude. Like you like, heard it here first, folks. Exactly, not like, what they are. Yeah, like I I am so proud to live in this country, and I respect everything that happened to get us to this point in this country as like people that fought for it including my grandfather but i'm not, i do not support the shit that people think that we might be because of that song yeah it's been commandeered but yeah that yeah i think dude i think it's silly it's clearly tongue-in-cheek like yeah. you know even if it wasn't tongue-in-cheek i mean like then it would just be a pop country song from today anyways yeah <laughs> and, i mean a, we could dude. turn it into anything i'm feeling like going to jack in the box like <laughs> Whatever it is, we could turn that into anything, but that's not what it so, was at the time. So to know? finish this off, Alante had a really good idea. He had an idea of some rapid, oh, fire, rapid fire oh, questions. Do you want to ask him? Or do you want, some you want me to, you want to oh, ask him? No. So Pressure's I'm going to pass this one off. And, okay. And uh, so here's Alante. He's oh, going to ask you some pressured. rapid fire this questions. Be here oh, Gavin, get out of here. Sorry. The cat's going haywire. First of all, I think we'd be remiss. I don't know if that's the right word. If we didn't get at least one, there he is, dude. Oh, Come dude. on, let, let, let us hear it. Come on, <laughs> there he is. Yeah, there he is. I actually right. want to go first thing I ever seen that you. <laughs> sorry, sorry. All right, here we go. I just got some questions oh, for you. Right? Hit me. All right, here we go. If you could join one other band in the scene, which band would you join? One other band in the scene? Which one would I join? Radio Keys, obviously. <laughs> That that wasn't pandering, dude. I, it's okay. No, seriously. <laughs> All right, sweet. All right. If you could, if you could only listen to one band forever, which band would it be? Oh, I mean, obviously, without a doubt, Huey Lewis and the no. fucking News, dude. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I got a new drug. Well, the one made me sick. <laughs> All right, here we go. What's your death row meal? Do you know what that means? Oh, uh, like what is the last, last meal, meal I'm going to die? Yeah. What, oh, my God. Uh, famous bull. A famous no. bull, dude. All right, here we go. No, 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 no. It can't be a famous bull. No, Come it's on. not a famous bull, actually. It's not really. It would be, God, that's a tough question, dude. I'd say probably actually like 12 really soft fucking baked chocolate chip cookies. Oh, done with a glass of milk. Yeah, like a big ass gallon of milk. I can get down with that minus the milk. <laughs> that would be it. Forget the meal. Right, I just here, cookies. Sorry. Here we go. F Mary Kill. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck the, Mary Kill, dude. I'm fucked here. The 7 Eleven guy, Colonel <laughs> Sandals, or Joe Scandalaris. <laughs> fuck Colonel Sandals. <laughs> Kill the 7 Eleven guy. And Mary Joe Scandalaris. <laughs> nice. All right, these are these are these are more rapid fire style. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's not a real question. All right, burritos or tacos? Uh, burritos. Dude. Burgers or wings? Wings. Bush or Bush or Nickelback? Oh my God! I love Nickelback, but it must be your skin. I'm sinking in. Must be for real. Bush. 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 There. Bush. 
La Bamba or Macarena? La Bamba, dude. Pro surfer or pro hockey player? Oh my god. <sighs> pro hockey player if I win the Stanley Cup, pro surfer if I don't. Guilty song. Guilty song. Yeah, like one that I love that song, I'm embarrassed yeah. about. Oh my god, there's too many. I mean, well, Nickelback, obviously, <laughs> but I'm really into fucking fancy like lately. I don't know if that's one to be guilty about, but I'm into fancy like there's so many, though. Okay, wait. One that. Oh, yeah. Fancy like Applebee's on a date night. Got the Bourbon Street steak with the Oreo shake and the whipped cream on the top, too. Two straws, one check. Girl, I got you. Bougie like Natty. That song. I don't know if we could play that. We might get copyrighted. <laughs> <laughs> my fault. My fault. All right, that concludes. Well, there's more than that, but that's the one off the top of my head. Well, that concludes oh, Rapid Fire, man. That. <laughs> dude, that was, was incredible. Good, that was incredible. Rapid I wasn't expecting was that much, but that was amazing. We got to do that for every guest yeah. from here on out. We'll just bring good, you in and dude. have it. So that's pretty much it for us. Um, can you tell the audience where they can find you and what you're working on and uh, all this kind of? I think I'm gonna try to put this out by uh, by Thanksgiving. So that's amazing. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you for having me. I love you guys so much. Love you too, dude. It is. I appreciate the fact that you guys actually have a podcast going and are making this happen. That is badass. You're the first podcast we haven't recorded since Emily and Tom left, so it's been like six months. No so you're way. The first That's one amazing. Back. Yeah, That's the first amazing, one. dude. I I love you guys for that. And to everyone listening, you can find us on all those sexy-ass social media platforms. You know, Facebook's probably not the best one. Instagram's the best one. And spot, if you're going to look up the music, Spotify, I not soundcloud that i'm not on soundcloud so it's spotify and and you know there's some stuff on pandora and i love you for that and this first thing i ever seen out of you um so we have one song to take us out so what tiger shade song should we sail away oh man if we're gonna sail away with one let's make it medela vibes all right this is Stuart patrick and this is dalton boswell Woo! And uh, we're going to keep searching for that sweet soul music. But in this case, it's actually Modelo vibes. Amen to that. Uh, come on. Uh, come I tiger on. Shane. All right. Cheers, everybody. Never forget it.
Feel fine.